how would you explain who God is? What do you know enough about God that you can describe him, explain him if you, when you have that opportunity? From your knowledge of Scripture, what do you know about God that you can present him in a way that's true to Scripture? The wife was in the process of having a heart attack. She went to the hospital. They did the blood work. They did certain tests. And sure enough, she was in the process of her cardiologist of having a heart attack. She was in that process. And so they scheduled her to go into surgery uh, to have stents placed in those blocked arteries of which the doctor expected. But before he went in to begin his procedures of placing stents, he came back to the husband and said, the blockage has cleared. The blockage has cleared. It's not there. It's not necessary to place these stents in the blocked arteries. I cannot explain it, said the cardiologist, but that's the truth. It's, it's not blocked anymore. I can't explain it. And the husband who knows Christ and trusts Christ says, well, uh, in, with respect, well, I can explain it. God did it. And the doctors responded by saying, well, there's different gods. That was his true belief, is his true belief. And the husband very respectfully said, well, no, there's only really one true God. And the physician did not continue the conversation. But what do you know? Is there just one God? If there is, I assure you, based on Scripture, there's only one true God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And we, we can know Him in the Bible. We can know who God is and the way we're to live before Him. As we come to this scripture and as you come to the Bible as a whole, ask the questions in your mind and heart. God, what can we learn about you from this passage? Secondly, what can we learn about ourselves from the scriptures? The passage that we're looking at at, at the moment throughout all of scripture. God, teach us about yourself and teach us about ourselves who we are and our need of you. Here today, we're finishing up Jonah. We've been looking at trying to learn of God. Who are you? What are you like? Who are we? What is our need? And today, as we conclude our study in Jonah, what do we have here? We have in Jesus Christ the privilege to turn from our anger and depression to experience joy through Jesus Christ. That's the offer made to Jonah. We see here in Jonah chapter 4, he was a very, very angry man. 
Secondly, he was very depressed. Three times in this short book, Jonah tells us he wanted to die. Jonah was a Christian. Jonah was looking forward to the Messiah to come. The promised one. Finally, listen, Christians of the Old Testament were those who looked forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. The only way to become a Christian is the same for those of the Old Testament as the New Testament. It's Christ. The Old Testament looked forward to the one who was to come. The sinless, perfect one who would live that perfect life and die on that cross and take God's judgment and punishment against sin that Christ did not deserve. They looked forward to the coming of the one who would give his righteousness to all of those the Father gave to him. Jonah was among that number who looked forward to the coming of Christ. We look back to the same person, Jesus Christ. We look back to his life of perfect obedience, his death on that cross, his burial, his resurrection. They look forward, we look back. Jonah was a Christian, but we see he, he became very, very angry with God and that he was so depressed he wanted to die. What do we learn about God here in the book of Jonah, we learn that he is a God of grace, of mercy, but also we learn he is a God of fierce anger. We need to know both. A God of grace, a God of mercy, but a God of fierce anger who must punish sin. He's of such holiness. He must, he must punish sin. But the good news is Christ is willing and able to take God's fierce anger. His judgment against sin, Christ is willing and able to take it upon himself and give his righteousness. We can learn from anger and depression. What's the purpose? What's the purpose? Listen. The purpose that God has for us is for us to rest in Jesus Christ, to speak of the goodness and power of Jesus Christ, for he offers grace and mercy to the undeserving. Daily, learning to rest in Jesus Christ's goodness and power and to speak of his goodness and power. The good news, he offers grace and mercy to the undeserving. What is his grace? His willingness to show his goodness to those undeserving. That's his grace. His ability, his willingness to give his favor to those who do not deserve it. That's his grace. His mercy is for him to not treat us as we deserve. 
His mercy is not to bring upon us the judgment and punishment we deserve. That's mercy. We see here, go back to chapter 3, verse 8. Chapter 3, verse 8. Here's what's been happening. Jonah has been commanded by God to go to Nineveh, that evil, that wicked city, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and tell them God is about to bring his judgment and punishment and wrath upon them. Again, the people of Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, were proud of the abuse and brutality. They were proud of the cruelty and the torture and the suffering they inflicted upon those they defeated. They were proud. Oh, the cruelty, the atrocities the persecution they inflicted upon children and women and men with such pride. And God was offering them mercy to not treat them as they deserved. God was offering grace to treat them forgiven, accepted, and righteous And Jonah said, no way do I want them to experience your grace and your mercy. I want you to treat them the way they deserve. I want you to treat them the way they've been treating us. I don't want them to believe. I don't want them to become Christians. He is so angry. So he said, I will not do it. He's a Christian rebelling against God, arrogant. And he catches the ship going to another city. And God comes after Jonah. Jonah, no way. And God sends that storm. And they're about to sink. They're about to die. Jonah and the others aboard the boat. With a storm, a violent storm, God sends. And Jonah admits, I'm responsible for this storm. God is punishing all of us because of me. Just throw me overboard. I want to die. He really did. He wanted to die because he did not want to obey God. They throw him overboard. God sends that big fish to swallow him. Yes, that really happened. Jesus said as Jonah was in the fish's belly, For three days and three nights, so he would be deceased and dead for three days. Jesus believed this story. He used it to teach. At the appointed time, God had that big fish vomit Jonah up on the shore. And now Jonah goes to Nineveh, that great city, approximately eight to nine miles in circumference. For three days he went and preached. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. In 40 days, God's going to destroy Nineveh. And the Holy Spirit brought a revival. The Holy Spirit brought a great spiritual awakening. And the people began to see their sin. 
city of 120,000. And word got to the king. And the king is awakened by the Holy Spirit of his sin and the sin of his people of whom he was responsible. And he called for a fast. He left his royal throne and his royal robes and put on sackcloth and ashes and came down and publicly humiliated himself before all of his people. And look what he says in verse 8. Let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that it is that is in his hands. There's a picture of revival. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we begin to admit our sin against a holy God and we accept responsibility for that sin, humbling ourselves, what does it say? Cry out to God mightily. Pray, pray that he will not treat us as we deserve. We need, I need, I do. We do. Where we're so humble before God. At any cost, Christ rule in our hearts. Doing without food, fasting and praying. Turn from your evil way, from the violence. Do you see what he says? He's admitting guilt. We're guilty of evil. We're, in, we're guilty of violence against God and against people. We're guilty. Who knows? God may have mercy and not treat us as we deserve. That's a picture of humility where we cannot demand of God to do something, but we say, oh God, will you do it? And look what he says in verse 9. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. For the Bible, we must be a people of the Bible. We must believe the whole counsel of God. And yes, we joy in His grace. His willingness to treat us as we do not deserve. We rejoice in His mercy that He's willing to not treat us as we deserve. But folk, we will not appreciate His grace and mercy until we realize he is a God of fierce anger. He's the holy God of fierce anger who must punish sin. The good news is Christ is able and willing to take God's fierce anger and judgment upon himself that he did not deserve. We deserve it. We've got to believe both. Unless we understand more and more that he's a God of fierce anger, we will not appreciate 
his grace nor his mercy. May he convince us of both and that Christ is able and willing to take that fierce anger upon himself. God sees what they did and God did not bring the judgment inflict them with his anger that he had intended to do. They repented. They believed the message that Jonah sent. What's Jonah's response? How does he feel about God not doing this? We're told here in verse chapter 4, verse 1, Jonah's not happy. He is displeased. Great displeasure. Look at verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is this not what I said back in the country when you first sent me? I knew you would do this. That's why I ran from you and went to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious God. I knew you were merciful. I knew you were slow to anger and that you were abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Do you know that about Christ? Do you know it? Do you experience it? Do you enjoy those truths? That he's the gracious God. He's the merciful God. He's the patient God. He just abounds and overflows with favor. We can only appreciate that truth when we realize he's the God of fierce anger. Jonah doesn't like it. The Bible says Jonah constructs a booth He makes a position where he can see what's about to happen to Nineveh. Is God going to bring that punishment they deserve? Is God going to do what he said he was going to do? He builds a booth, and he gets under it, the heat, the scorching heat. But that wasn't enough, so God sent a plan. They tell us it could have been a castor oil plant that could grow as much as 15 feet, grows quickly, but we we know God grew that plant overnight as an additional shade for Jonah. But the next day, God sent a worm to eat and destroy that big plant that was giving Jonah shade, giving him comfort. And Jonah is really mad now. Not only that he's in this extreme heat, but that God killed the plant. Sent a worm. It's all there. And Jonah says to God, this isn't right. Why didn't you have pity and mercy on that plant? Why'd you send that worm to destroy it? Jonah, Jonah, in essence, what are you thinking? 
You have more concern about that plan than you do 120,000 people who do not know their left hand from their right. What does he mean by that? From my reading and studying, it means they were so spiritually blind they could not tell right from wrong. They did not understand the things of God. They were spiritually blind. They, as Romans says, dead in their sins. And that's who we are, family. We are dead in our sins. We do not know our left from our right apart from the mercy and grace of Christ. How are we to respond? What do we see here? How are we to respond to what we see of who God is? Who is he? He's the God of grace and mercy. He's the God of fierce anger. He's the God who gives second chances. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Jonah, go to Nineveh. I'm giving you another opportunity to obey. Do you joy in second chances and third chances and 50 chances? I do. I need him every day. We all do. That's who he is. He's the God of fierce anger. He's the God of grace and mercy. He's the God of second chances. What do we learn about ourselves? We learn about ourselves that we're like Jonah. We're self-centered. We're arrogant. We're selfish. We want to go our own way. We rebel in our hearts. I do. And at times I rebel outwardly. Not only in my heart. That's who we are, even as Christians. Even as Christians, we can doubt and rebel against God. That's what we learn about ourselves. But secondly, we can learn from Jonah and from Scripture. Even as Christians, we can become so discouraged, despondent, and depressed that we want to die. Even as Christians, we can become so discouraged and depressed that we want to die. Three times Jonah says, God, I want to die. I want to die. Paul, in the New Testament, that great theologian, evangelist, missionary, professor. Paul tells us when he wrote those in Corinth that he was so discouraged. He wanted to die. One of my favorite preachers, I never knew him, he lived in the 1800s, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. 
wonderful, godly man, writer, preacher, fought against depression. One of my present-day friends, great respect, extremely intelligent, far more knowledgeable than me, fights against depression, wanting to die at times. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. But the good news is this. God the Father has not spared his own son, but given him up for his own And the Father will, along with Christ, graciously provide for every need. When discouraged, depressed, wanting to die, he can minister comfort and peace to you. He may do it through medical care. He may choose other ways, but he's sufficient. In your times of need. That's the good news of Christ. How are we to respond? Oh, I like this response that we see in Philippians. This is what I'm praying for us. Go all the way to Philippians and see this that he tells us of how we're to respond. How are we to respond? Philippians 2 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, all who are loved by the Father through Jesus Christ, is Christ your Savior, see your Lord, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. I'm not with you right now. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. How are we to live daily? Work out your salvation. We never work for our salvation. You can't work for it. You cannot do enough to accomplish your adoption into the family. The only way to enter God's family is for him to call you, for him to choose you, to breathe life into you, to awaken you to your sin, that he is a God of fierce anger, but to convince you that Christ is willing to take the Father's fierce anger, that he is willing to take the Father's fierce anger upon himself and give you his perfection. You receive it by grace. You receive it as a gift. Now live out what Christ has done for his people. Work it out, not work for it. Work it out. How? With fear. What does that mean? Awe. A-W-E. Awe and reverence and respect for Jesus Christ. Live it out 
Lord, grow, grow our sense of awe, our appreciation, our gratitude for who you are. Fill us with fear, not just us, but that yet you are a God of fierce anger, but you're the God of grace and mercy. Work it out. Yes, family, a holy trembling. A holy, healthy trembling at his word. Please, please give your mind and heart to the word of God. Hide it in your heart that you not sin against him. Do not neglect the teaching, the preaching, the ministry of the word. Tremble before it. God has exalted his name and his word above all else. Be a people of the word. Lord, enable us to tremble. 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 To work it out. It's Christ himself who must work in us and through us his good pleasure. It's all of him, and we're responsible. May you know this joy. May those of your family and our communities and our nations know this joy of working out the salvation with fear and truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Christ. He never, ever, ever sinned, and yet he willingly became sin. On behalf of all of those you've given to him, thank you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you that you're the God of grace. Your willingness to not treat us as we deserve. You're the God of mercy. But, Father, you're the God of fierce anger. And you must punish sin. You must punish it. But thank you, Father, for all of those in Christ. He has taken that punishment for us. May we joy in this. May we live out, live out adoption with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. And Father, those who are not yet yours, that you'll breathe life into them and bring them into the family, that we may grow together, not just here, but do it all over your world in the name of Christ. Amen.